This is Help Wanted, the show that tackles all the big work questions you cannot ask anyone else. I'm Jason Pfeiffer, Editor-in-Chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. And I'm New York Times bestselling author and money expert, Nicole Lappin. The helpline is open. Jason, are you a sellout? Yes. Are you? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Well, it's good. We're here to host the first meeting of sellouts not anonymous. Summit. The summit of sellouts. So I don't understand why sellout has a bad connotation. Yes. Why? I know. Well, I know because I spent my teens and early 20s accusing other people of selling out. So I'm very, very familiar with why selling out can be a bad thing. Okay. And that's also why I feel very confident that I have done it. <laughs> but but I don't feel bad about it. I also don't feel bad about it. Before we get too abstract and then we can get back to self-flagellating about selling out, <laughs> we should say what we're going to talk about this episode is whether or not you should do it just for the money. Because that actually gets a pretty bad rap culturally. We feel like we're supposed to do things for some greater purpose, not just for the money. And we we spend a lot of time, I think, looking down upon people who are doing things just for the money. But but why? Why do we do that? Why do we do that? I, I don't know. It's very foreign to me. Like it, money feels like an important tool to live life. And so why is that going after that bad? Why is feeding your family bad? Why is going out to get money to put a roof on your head over your head. I don't I think putting it on your head would be bad. Yeah, that would be bad. You <laughs> but wouldn't like, want to do that. Over your head and your family's head. Why have we villainized that? Why don't we step back then and see it concretely because we have an email. An email from a friend of mine, an old 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 friend of mine who I know from your seven careers ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from seven, uh, many careers ago, this is a, a guy who I know from journalism, and he sent me this email. I'm just going to call him John. John works in journalism. He works in local journalism. And so he sends me this long, long email, and I'm just going to pick up on one point because he, he lists off all the different things that he's doing. And he says, Without getting into which of those endeavors does well and which sucked the life out of me, what's important is that all around, I need to work much smarter, conquer social media, and make a couple million bucks. Don't we all? <laughs> None of which are things that journalists, especially in local media, are really supposed to do. So I've been trying to figure out how to leverage it all and go harder without simply being like, fuck everyone, I'm going to make that dough now and stop helping people. And then he says he spent some time listening to Gary Vaynerchuk, a motivational uh, celebrity entrepreneur guy, in case you don't know. Gary V got me halfway there. Uh, My friend John writes, he's right. It's fear for sure and insecurities and a deep hatred for corporate America. So I get a little sense of John. And I'm afraid of disappointing and having people think I sold out for anything. So, okay, Nicole, now we're back to the conversation because now you can see how this is playing out in John's life. He has a career. He has devoted himself to it. He feels passionately about it. It does not pay him very much money. And he is seeing leaving this work that he loves and thinks is important but isn't paying him that much money as selling out because he's in a community of people who have also devoted themselves to this work. And I bet that a lot of people who are teachers or work in nonprofits or basically <laughs> any any other kind of work that that you feel is meaningful and that isn't compensating you the way that an investment banker is getting compensated might start to think I really would like more money but doing something just for the money is selling out. Hmm. 
Yeah, I'm exhausted for him. He went on to tell you, uh, I need to stop thinking of myself as an editor, a publisher, an investigative journalist, and all that shit. I'm working on a mission, a mantra to free myself of this baggage of carrying the dying independent local media on my back. Holy crap, John. Uh, that, that is... It's a lot of weight. That's a lot of weight. And who asked you to do that? And why? Well, I have a lot of questions. So we don't have John here with us because he wouldn't have been comfortable. His back is hurting. This, yeah. But we do have me. And I and can tell you me. that... And we have you, but you are not worried about selling out, but I definitely was. So at least I can put myself splayed out on a table here so that we can um, dissect. And I struggled with this because I also came from local media and then I got into national media, but I still, I, I had this mission oriented idea of myself. I am out there to inform people and the work that I do is very, very important. And I... I used to say, Nicole, I am not in it for the money. I just, I'm, I'm in it because I want to do something that I love. And what I took pride in was looking at people who, at least in my opinion, had done things for the money, people who are bankers or lawyers or whatever, and who are working terrible hours and are doing things that at least from my perspective um, seemed soul sucking uh, and uh, right. Like who wants to be at the law firm at 3 a.m. working on a brief so that some rich person can sue some other person? Or like I, that's not I didn't want to do that. And so I would say, you know, fine. Those people are making a bunch of money. I'm not doing this for the money. I'm doing this because I'm doing work that I love and that uh, is uncompromising to me. And it wasn't really until a couple things changed in my life that I reevaluated that. So one of those things was that my financial commitments became more serious, which is to say I got married and I had some kids. And now I actually do need to do things for the money. And so making money suddenly wasn't just a thing that you could or could not do. It was a thing I really needed to do. And then also I started to figure out how to do other things that I still love to do that made more money and let go of stuff that I liked to do in the past that made less money. Because what I discovered was it wasn't so binary. It wasn't either make no money and work in local news or make money and be at the law firm at 3 a.m. writing a brief for a rich person to sue another rich person. There could be all these other ways in which I could do things that I loved that made more money. It just required a different kind of sacrifice of letting go of one thing I loved to find another thing. That was a revelation to me. Hmm. Wait, you're assuming that, like, I also didn't struggle with this idea of being a sellout, you know? I well, I'm not assuming it, but you basically said that you, like, can't understand it. So tell me. I, well, I can't understand it now. I struggled for sure with this idea. Like, we both came from journalism. I started in local news. I had a screensaver on my, like, little janky laptop that said, I don't wake up for the money, truly. Mm. I started originally a million years ago, wanted to be an English major and sit under a tree and write poetry all day long. That definitely doesn't make any money. <laughs> Does not. So if I magically had a trust fund or something and money really didn't matter, then I probably would be, like, sitting under a tree right now. And so I... <laughs> 
I was like, well, I need to make money, so I should not be a poetry major. I should be a journalism major. And what the fuck did I know? Like, my parents were immigrants. Like, I didn't know how much uh, local news journalists make. Like, they were on TV. I thought that they had a lot of money. Um, I was wrong. Um, I, you know, (laughs) didn't even make $20,000 a year. And I think I just wanted to skip that beginning part, not because I was like, I need to like burn down local news and all of its mission and glory. I was just like, well, no, like I can do more of this and make more money. I feel more mission driven now making more money than I ever did in local news reporting on the opening of Starbucks in downtown Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And the sellout struggle for me was taking brand money. And so forever, I was sort of indoctrinated that you, you know, have this separation of church and state and you don't take money from corporations because you report on corporations. Mm -hmm. And so this was a huge, like the first time I ever did a deal, it was actually a really big one. It was with Allstate. I didn't know what brand deals looked like. They did a huge ad spend. It was like ridiculous. There were commercials, (laughs) all sorts of stuff. I think there's something on the internet that's like, Nicole Lavin is hawking insurance. (laughs) And I was like, listen, you guys, I made more on that day than I did for an entire year. And I'm like not even upset about it. I was fucking stoked. I didn't feel like my morals were compromised. I was cool. And it enabled me actually to do more of like the mission of teaching people about financial literacy. So I agree that it's not binary. It's not like money bad, (laughs) no money good. And I don't know why I said it like kind of caveman-y, but um, <laughs> or woman-y, I don't know. Uh, right, because cavemen wrestled with financial <laughs> concerns. Stick around. Help Wanted will be right back. Nicole, have you ever thought about the one that got away? Jason, I am happily in a relationship. You know that. No, the hire that got away. Someone that you thought was perfect for your team, but ah, they were already with another employer. Oh, well, in that case, yeah, I think about her all the time. Well, it's not too late. You can reach out to that person on LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you hire professionals that you can't find anywhere else, even people who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. Okay, looks like it's time for me to shoot my shot. Do it. And I know you may have your heart set on one person, but if you do want to open it up and post a role to a bigger applicant pool, you can do it for free at linkedin.com slash help wanted. And because there are so many professionals on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within just 24 hours. So you'll never have a one that got away again. Incredible. That's linkedin.com slash help wanted. Yep. LinkedIn.com slash help wanted. Terms and conditions apply. Happy hiring ever after. Nicole, have you ever thought about the one that got away? Jason, I am happily in a relationship. You know that. No, the hire that got away. Someone that you thought was perfect for your team, but ah, they were already with another employer. Oh, well, in that case, 
Yeah, I think about her all the time. Well, it's not too late. You can reach out to that person on LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you hire professionals that you can't find anywhere else, even people who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. Okay, looks like it's time for me to shoot my shot. Do it. And I know you may have your heart set on one person, but if you do want to open it up and post a role to a bigger applicant pool, you can do it for free at linkedin.com slash help wanted. And because there are so many professionals on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within just 24 hours. So you'll never have a one that got away again. Incredible. That's linkedin.com slash help wanted. Yep. LinkedIn.com slash help wanted. Terms and conditions apply. Happy hiring ever after. Welcome back to Help Wanted. Let's get to it. Okay, what you just said there, I think actually contains the secret to making the shift, which is it was a question of how you define your value and your mission. Because if you define it too narrowly, then Everything rides on your execution of that narrow vision. What the hell does that mean? Well, that means that like, if we're talking about John, then his mission is to work at or support this local news organization. And that's it. And therefore, anything that does not contribute to that very narrow mission is in some way a devaluing or a, 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 a walking away of his morals and values. But what would happen if he defines his mission in a way in which it can be articulated separate from the thing that he does every day? What if he stops thinking of himself as, I am a person who runs this local news organization, and instead he's like, I am a person who informs people, or I am a person who helps communities, or whatever, right? Well, now you've liberated yourself, because now there are lots of different ways to do that, and some of them, hopefully pay a lot better than the thing you're doing before, which is exactly what you just described, Nicole, which is that you understood that taking the money from Allstate contributes to a mission of yours that has nothing to do with one particular action. Informing people about how they can live financially independent lives is not a narrow mission. It is not about one specific thing that you do or one action that you take. It is something that, frankly, you can do more of the more money that you have. And that, I think, is a, it's, a, it's an important mind shift that people need to go through. Yeah, I think I opened the aperture a little. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Edward R. Murrow did not roll, as far as I know, over in his grave and was like, fuck it, Nicole. <laughs> really, really with the Allstate money. I think that we get caught up in this idea that we're doing some mission that's miraculous and righteous, and it's not. I think that, John, you're lying to yourself if you think that you're not part of corporate America. That station or whatever is part of a bigger company that's part of probably a bigger conglomerate that might be a publicly traded company. And there are advertisers like, you know, Allstate or others that buy advertising into that company. It is not a charity. You are not Mother Teresa. You're not Father Teresa. Whatever. Like, you're just not. Like, 
somebody is making the money and you are doing a lot of the work and you're upset because you're not making the money. And so you should be making the money and still doing the work and doing it with greater reach. Stop lying to yourself, John. What you're saying there is very similar to what I wrote back to him. I'm going to read you what I wrote. I said, to be honest, I think a lot of people in our line of work, because, you know, I, I was in media too. I am still in media think too narrowly about what they can do and what their market value is. They also anchor themselves to missions that are either not theirs or that they alone cannot fulfill, which I think, Nicole, is what you're saying there. You're lying to yourself by thinking like, you alone carry this. You do not. You alone cannot fulfill this. Okay. I said to John, I think you nailed it there. You've saddled yourself with the baggage of the dying independent local media. But you know what? Outside of your own actions and the things you directly touch, you cannot control the larger issue. That is why I like to ask myself, what can I control? Like, what's actually within my power? Where can I make the most impact without either relying upon others or relying upon what I simply wish others would do? That's changed a lot of how I approach my work. This is still me writing to John. It's also made me say, fuck media. I mean, media has benefits, but to me, those benefits are how any media I engage with can further purposes that I control. I'm not, for example, a magazine editor. I'm a guy using a magazine to help me build a larger and more sustainable project. And that project is the business of Jason Pfeiffer, which, frankly, Nicole, is part of what I'm doing here, right? Like, I, I run a magazine, but I'm also doing this with you. Why? Because both of them build the project, and the project is me, not any one individual project, though I love both projects. And also, to this thing that John wrote, he said, I'm afraid of disappointing and having people think I sold out for anything. I wrote to him, meh. Who cares? I mean, who are you disappointing? People who want you to do something so that they don't have to do it themselves? Who will think you sold out? People who can't or won't help you grow? I'll tell you what. There are people on both sides of that divide, but until you cross it, you can only see one side. On one side, there are the people who might be disappointed or accuse you of things. On the other side, there is a much, much wider world of people who are ready to welcome and work with you. Uh, okay, that's the end of my rant to... John, but that is what you found with Allstate, which is to say, like, like on one side of the thing were maybe a bunch of people who would tisk tisk you for like taking Allstate money. But on the other side is all the very fine people at Allstate. Allstate, if you're listening, come sponsor Help Wanted. <laughs> but there are like the people who work at Allstate are perfectly great and they're trying to help people. And there are also all sorts of other companies. And then there are a lot of people in this ecosystem of people who like build things and very important things and great things. And also they need money to do those things. And so they're going to get that money from companies like Allstate. There actually is a whole other world of people who do good things that you don't see when you're so narrowly stuck inside of the space that you think is the exception to selling out. Yes, but also like, who cares? I remember <laughs> that was the first time that I did. I was like, God, all these like former colleagues that I worked with at big media organizations that were like my dream jobs. Like, what are they going to say about me? What is Christiana? I'm on pork. She didn't give a fuck. Like, what is she <laughs> going to say about me? Like, I should be reporting at, with like war gear and like being shot at and like, oh my God, like I, mm -hmm. you know, I need to change the world, not like get money from an insurance company and no like what that did was it for the first time branded me outside of being under somebody else's brand so i was cnn's nicole lapin cnbc's nicole lapin and what this opportunity did was say nicole lapin 
financial expert. For the first time, I wasn't somebody else's something. Mm. And I was able at that point to reach a lot more people. Some of them, I'm sure, were like, fuck you, Lappin. Uh, why did you take this money? You suck. I'm also secretly jealous, and I wish I could also take that money. Or whatever they were thinking, I don't know, because I didn't ask them. And in my quest to be more emotionally intelligent, I have realized that I don't know what people are thinking unless I ask them. So, John, do you know you're pissing people off? Or are they just grumpy people? Or are they pissed at something else? Or are they jealous? Who the fuck knows? And it's, you know what? It's as exhausting as thinking about carrying all of an industry on my back to really be <laughs> thinking about what everybody might be thinking about me. And if you really want to know, you should ask. So, yeah, there were those folks. And then there was other folks. So, like, that was the opportunity, right? The, the other side of that was like all these other people that needed financial help and financial literacy. And no, that wasn't my original mission, like, you know, to sit under a tree and write sonnets and then like, you know, go and report on the war and stuff like that. It became a different mission. I learned, mm -hmm. I grew. Like media, by the way, John, like I can't talk to all other industries, but we can squarely talk about this one. Like that's not where it's at anymore. There are, so <laughs> you can start your own network. Literally, we are starting our own network. Mm -hmm. You, We are no longer beholden to broadcast news, to newspapers. Like, I don't even know why we're having this conversation, John. Like, have <laughs> you opened your iPhone recently? When I was at CNN 15 years ago, it was like, citizen journalism is a thing. Oh my gosh, pay attention. Like, move with the times. That's This is happening. It, your mission is changing. Everybody's mission is changing. And so, redefining that for yourself as a whole industry is redefining it will help you not only be mission oriented but also not be broke <laughs> this subject has brought out a lot of very good profane rants from both of us and <laughs> the thing you said there at the end just makes me think an interesting disconnect that happens when you shrink down to what you think is most important and then you become bitter about that. I mean, like, let, let's be clear, if somebody wants to do exactly what they want to do and that thing doesn't happen to pay a lot of money and they're perfectly happy with that, well, then no problem. Keep doing yeah. it. But this is really if you're feeling that tension, if you're feeling that tension, then it might also be worth taking a look at whether or not you can make the maximum impact in what you want to do by holding on to the thing that you're doing, because the answer is probably not like you just said, Nicole, you know, John doing the thing that he's always been doing because he thinks it's important is actually probably limiting his impact because he's doing something in an old way that was important to him at the time in which he decided what things were important to him. But he hasn't given himself the permission to upgrade that and say, you know what, maybe there are other better ways to fulfill my mission that also happen to be things that people want and that makes more money. Yeah, you know, it reminds me of this Margaret Thatcher quote uh, where she said, no one would remember the Good Samaritan if he'd only had good intentions. He mm -hmm. had money too. And I think what's important to remember is that if you're taking an opportunity for the money, it doesn't automatically mean it's bad. Second, if you yourself, not anyone else, thinks you're a sellout and you feel like that's a bad connotation, then maybe you can find meaning and mission elsewhere. I don't think that you can get all of your meaning from one 
source like a job. You can open that aperture and say, where else can I find meaning in my life? So John, stop lying to yourself is my suggestion. (laughs) You can find meaning in expanding your mission, taking money that's not necessarily bad. And if you don't find mission in that, then maybe you find mission somewhere else or on the weekends or like, who the fuck knows? That's only for you to answer what that meaning looks like to you. I think that's a really important reminder because undergirding a lot of what we've been talking about here is just the assumption that you must find your purpose solely in your work. And therefore, you are going to drive yourself crazy about making sure that your work is as purposeful as possible. And sometimes that's in conflict with the other thing that work needs to do, which is provide you money to live. And so if we can decouple those things in some way, then you can still live a purpose-driven life, shall we say, but that you can also make sure that you have enough money to live a stable and enjoyable life. Yeah, you're having a rich life in all aspects of the word rich. And you can remember that that richness can come from friends, that richness can come from a family, or that richness can come from working your face off in something that fulfills both of them. But, you know, when I was thinking about what I was looking for in a partner, like a life partner, a romantic partner. You know, I, in my third book, talk about like what this Superman looks like. And I remember adding like the R because I did like something that sounds for S, secure, you know, U, P, E, R, whatever. And romantic, for instance, was the R. And I said, I can outsource a lot of other roles from a friend or a therapist or like other people can be understanding or other people can go to a party with me or other people can make me dinner. I don't know. But only this person can do the romantic sexy stuff. Mm. Like I can do a lot for myself. I can outsource these other things to other people. But this is what I need to optimize this person for because I can't get that anywhere else. And so the connective tissue into work is the only thing that work is going to provide you or must provide you, you must optimize for money. You must get money from work. You must live. You must make money. Mission and meaning can come from a lot of different other places, but no other place unless you're doing some weird uh, illegal shit, which I don't recommend (laughs) and I don't think you do either is not where you're going to get the money. Or if you don't have like a family money or trust fund or whatever, like you must make money from work. That is the first and foremost thing you must optimize for. Yeah, that is one of those points that feels obvious, but that people don't think about. Right. The last thing I want to say on this, this was a mic drop moment for me in my life. Like what I'm about to read to you was something that literally changed how I understood the world. When I was a teenager, as I'd mentioned, I was a snotty punk rock kind of teenager, and I was very concerned about what bands were selling out, which if that doesn't even mean anything to people, that was like, you know, some band like Green Day puts their first two albums out on Lookout Records, which is a small little label in Berkeley, California. And then they get a big record deal on Warner Brothers and then a bunch of people bitch and moan because like, oh, Green Day sold out. Like they, they, you know, they didn't stay true to their roots and now they're taking corporate money from the man. And I remember literally, I I love Green, I grew up, love Green Day and I got to interview Trey, the drummer of Green Day. I asked him like what they couldn't do or like what they sacrificed artistically now that they have a big deal record contract. And (laughs) He literally didn't know what I was talking about. I mean, like he understood where it was coming from, but he's like, 
nothing. Like we, what do you talk? We like we make our music and more people hear it, and we make more. But like he didn't know how to process it. And that was a big moment for me. Was when I heard that. But anyway, the thing that turned it around for me was when I <laughs> I was reading this essay rant kind of thing by this guy named Dave Eggers. So Dave Eggers, uh, he founded a, a book publisher called McSweeney's and he wrote this memoir called The Heartbreaking Work of Staggering Genius that launched his career. And he started in independent media as well, actually. And then he started to build, he started to become very popular and started to make a lot of money. And he was being interviewed by a college reporter who asked him about like whether or not he has sold out. And Dave replied with this just incredible long rant that he wrote out and emailed to the reporter. And you can find it, just search, like Google Dave Eggers selling out. And it's it's long and amazing. And I remember reading it in college when I still was concerned about people selling out. And it changed everything. And I'm just going to read a little bit from the end, but you really should, you should hear the whole thing. So he starts talking about all the money that he's making from all these like magazines that he's writing for. And he says, do I care about this money? I do. Will I keep this money? And then he talks about like what he's actually going to do with it. He's going to keep some of it, but also he's going to build this like media company with it that he wants to build. And then he writes, now, what if I were keeping all the money? What if I were buying property in St. Kitts or blew it all on live-in prostitutes? What if, for example, I was a few nights ago sitting at a table in Soho with a bunch of Hollywood slash celebrity acquaintances, one of whom I went to high school with and one of whom was Puff Daddy? Would that make <laughs> me a sellout? Would it mean that I was a force of evil? What if a few nights before that, I was at the home of Julian Schnabel at a party featuring Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, at which Schnabel said we should get together and talk about him possibly directing my movie? And what if I said, sure, let's. Would that make me a sellout? Would I be uncool? Would it have been more cool to not go to this party or to have not written that book or done that interview or have refused millions from Hollywood? The thing is, I really like saying yes. I like new things, projects, plans, getting people together and doing something, trying something, even when it's corny or stupid. I am not good at saying no, and I do not get along with people who say no. When you die, and it really could be this afternoon, you will not be happy about having said no. You will be kicking your ass about all the no's you've said. No is for wimps. No is to live small and embittered, cherishing the opportunities you missed because they might have sent the wrong message. There is a point in one's life where one cares about selling out and not selling out. One worries whether or not wearing a certain shirt means that they are behind the curve or ahead of it, or having a certain music in one's collection means they are impressive or unimpressive. Thankfully for some, this all passes. And then it goes on and on and on, and then I just want to end with, this. I say yes when Hollywood says they'll give me enough money to publish a hundred different books or send 20 kids through college. Saying no is so fucking boring. And if anyone wants to hurt me for that or dismiss me for that, for saying yes, I say, oh, do it. Do it, you motherfuckers. Finally, finally, finally. I will tell you, I read that and I just thought differently because I started to realize all the things I had said no to and that felt like wasted time. Help Wanted is a production of Money News Network. Help Wanted is hosted by me, Jason Pfeiffer. And me, Nicole Lappin. Our executive producer is Morgan Lavoie. If you want some help, email our helpline at helpwanted at moneynewsnetwork.com for the chance to have some of your questions answered on the show. And follow us on Instagram at Money News and TikTok at Money News Network for exclusive content and to see our beautiful faces. Maybe a little dance? Oh, I didn't sign up for that. All right. Well, talk to you soon. 